Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 what's going on? I hope you're enjoying the start to your day right now. Salvetri here, and I am going to be discussing a Superflex Dynasty League strategy, but within this strategy itself, if you don't have the combination of those two things, we'll be talking about Dynasty strategy in here. We'll be talking about the Superflex strategy in here. If you're not familiar with either of those, I think you should be. I think they're the two most fun, if that's even a word, the funnest of fantasy football leagues. And now you're mashing them together because the levels of strategy goes way deeper than your standard league PPRs. Standard league PPRs are nice, right? Not every single person in your league is going to be ready to take that leap into a dynasty or super flex or God forbid, both of them at once. But I want to just give you for the people who are watching this, who are in either of those types of leagues or who are interested. And I think you should be interested in these leagues because I think dynasty is where really all fantasy football is going. I want to give you an idea of what the strategy should be and kind of discuss my mindset behind super flex, behind dynasty and especially when you combine the two together because there's not a lot of information out there when it comes to what are the rankings what is the strategy what type of uh, early round strategy should I be taking in these types of formats so over my shoulder is a draft that I'm currently in as you can see it's not done we're only in the eighth round it's a slow draft meaning that we have eight hours I believe for each one of our picks it's a league that I'm in on Osmo. I do shows on Osmo.com. it's a daily fantasy sports platform as well as just covering fantasy sports so I do some shows for contract work there so a lot of people in the industry that you might be familiar with are going to be in this draft a good amount of them there's 14 total people so that's another caveat not just 12 it is i believe a ppr format and we have that super flex option which if you're not familiar super flex just means that you get to roster a quarterback and then one of your flex spots can actually also roster another quarterback so technically it could be a two quarterback league in that flex spot for you so it does make quarterbacks a little bit more of a priority and the fact that there's also the dynasty aspect of it it makes it even more of a priority to target younger higher upside quarterbacks and we'll discuss you can see that happening in this draft in a second and what is the dynasty format for those of you that are not 100% familiar dynasty just means if you're in a standard league you just draft players every single year and you get a brand new team that's a standard league maybe it's a PPR maybe you have individual defensive players but dynasty pretty much just means you get to bring back the entire band of characters the next year in your draft you do the first year startup draft which is this one it's very similar to a redraft you just take a bunch of players and then after that every single year you have a rookie draft after all the draftees are taken to their teams usually that week or two after or a couple weeks after even the NFL draft is when you start to draft your rookies at that point to kind of revamp your team you can trade at any point but the biggest piece about dynasty is you want to be targeting younger higher upside players you want to be taking into account their contract situations a guy like Aaron Jones right now they just drafted a rookie running back he's on the last year of his contract in the Green Bay Packers offense so he might look like a nice second round pick when it comes to just overall redraft but it starts to get a little bit shakier a guy like Julio Jones he's 31 years old he looks like a good redraft option a first round pick maybe but when it comes to the dynasty format you might have one to two more years out of Pete Julio so he's not going to be taken that highly. So those are just a little bit of the caveats for the general people coming in who don't have a, a, a total idea and an understanding of the two leagues. That's a very brief and easy way to understand them. But I do want to get into just my strategy, specifically my picks, what I saw happening in the draft as well, and where I'm hoping that the draft does go from here. But I will call out right now, if you're brand new here, please do hit the like button of this video. We're going to get some education today. The big old subscribe button that just popped up. We're gaining a ton of subscribers right now. So thank you so much to the community. And it's all because of all of you subscribing within these videos. If you can do that, it shows YouTube that you're engaging with the content and that they should show it to even more people. And you can see the big thing down below. The draft guide just released the 2020 fantasy football draft guide that I have created over the last couple of months with the help of a friend of mine creating the website has now released. And I'm telling you, you can get it for $10 because the people up above in that logo, Monkey Knife Fight, are sponsoring the draft guide. There might not be a better $10 that you can spend because I've put every single 
piece of knowledge that I have in all the videos that I've made, including even more stuff that just does not really work well in the videos in that draft guide. And that's not all that's going to be in there. I'm going to be adding premium podcasts and articles throughout the entire summer, right? It's only right now as I record this, we're in the middle to end of June. So obviously there's going to be way more stuff that happens. Don't worry. I will have you covered on all of that. So not only are you getting all the rankings, all the player profiles that I've actually put together in a lot of these different videos and a lot that just have not even made it anywhere close to being on screen, 120 plus player profiles, all the rankings, tiers, statistics, data models, the reliability charts, all that stuff is in there already for the measly price of $10 if you're eligible in that state. If not, then you can still get it for just the normal price on the site. And then there's going to be even more. I'm going to be adding even more podcasts and articles. So it's going to be a great value for you. So just go down below right now, take a second of your time, sign up for it. The information for all of that will be linked at the top of the description right below. So without further ado, let's get into just the strategy here. And I'll break down pretty much through everything that I'm seeing happening, but we'll really focus on the first few rounds. So again, this is a 14 person draft and I'll start right up here at the top with this little red name right here, you'll be familiar with it in Patrick Mahomes. So Patrick Mahomes goes first overall in this. Oh my God, Sal, how is he going first overall? You have to remember, it's Superflex and Dynasty. Superflex is going to weight quarterbacks a lot heavier than usual, and Dynasty means that you get to keep these players forever, as long as the league lasts. So Patrick Mahomes is arguably the best quarterback option in the league. Lamar Jackson is going to push for him, but when you look at their Dynasty upside, the Chiefs offense in general is just well-suited for quarterback fantasy points. Lamar Jackson's rushing ability is, but how long does that actually last? So Patrick Mahomes going first, first overall, I don't hate it. Here is my stance on it, though. No matter what draft mode I'm doing right now, I'm taking running backs first overall. So if I was first overall, I would have debated between McC- McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. Oh my God, how would you have not automatically taken McCaffrey there? Because it's a dynasty and redraft format. Saquon Barkley, I think, is the better running back compared to Christian McCaffrey. If the Giants, which they did, go out and got offensive line help this offseason and their offense looks good, Saquon Barkley is going to finish as the number one running back. It's just going to happen. His offense is improving. He is due for natural regression coming off of an injury, for touchdown regression, all of those things. His per touch statistics are great still, even after his injury last year. And Christian McCaffrey, if anything, has a lot of offensive changes. They have a really bad defense, which is going to help their offense score more points. But in my opinion, when you're looking over the next six to seven to eight years of their career, I think Saquon Barkley is the more established back. Does that mean he puts up as much fantasy points? I'm not sure. And that's why it's the toss up there. But I do prefer Saquon, in my opinion, for these types of formats. So if I was first overall, I would have taken a running back here because look, quarterbacks are going to be valuable. But the fact that you can start two quarterbacks, it doesn't make it that much more valuable for me to start taking them first overall. Sure, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are borderline and should be probably considered very strongly as top five super flex slash dynasty combined format options. But there's still another 30 starting quarterbacks and another four to five or six fringe guys that you can probably see starting in that specific year. So the fact that it's a 14 person draft does make it a little bit more important than if it was just a 10 person draft to start taking quarterbacks a round or two earlier than you would. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to snag them in the first round because I can start getting good quality quarterbacks. And you'll see a couple that I got in the seventh and eighth rounds, whereas running backs in the seventh or eighth rounds, the running backs in dynasty Superflex formats, when there's 14 teams, they're going to be soaked up by literally like the fourth round of drafts, maybe the fifth round you can get them. So there's just so much more scarcity at the running back position. Like you already know that for redraft, I'm still going to go running back. So it's a little bit of a minor thing. It's nothing major. Mahomes is still a top four, top five option for me, but it's okay. So my original pick was scheduled that you can see that Barkley, Elliott, those guys should go off the board. McCaffrey, Barkley, and Elliott, those should be your first three options off the board, in my opinion. They're all really young running backs. Elliott and McCaffrey already have locked up their stud contracts. Saquon still has coming into this year, two more years after this year and this year. So three more years on his rookie deal, assuming they pick up the fifth year option, which I don't see why they would not. He's probably going to get another deal after that. I was originally scheduled to pick sixth right here, but this was the worst spot for me. I told myself that I would be willing to pick Saquon, Zeke, McCaffrey, or Patrick Mahomes at this spot. But even if it was Mahomes, I would really not want to. I just want running backs early. So I'm on the board. Michael Thomas goes and Lamar Jackson. I'm working a back end deal that if Lamar Jackson stays on the board, I will trade from the pick one six to the pick 
two nine. So I trade back three spots here. And the rest of that trade pretty much let me move up three spots in the second round and move up three spots in the fourth round. So I personally got to move up six total spots and move back three spots in the first round. My ideal situation would have been to just trade out of the first round. Oh my God, you want to trade your first round pick? Yes, 100%. If I could trade my first round pick and accumulate two second round picks and then a third round pick, whatever that might be, I I now have two picks in the second round and two picks in the third round instead of only one pick in each of those rounds. That is something that I want to do. In this specific draft, didn't seem like many people were that interested in doing so. I probably could have pushed a little bit harder, but I ended up trading back to the one nine. And at the one six, who I was considering was Joe Mixon. Dalvin Cook's still on the board. He's got injury issues, of course. He's threatening a holdout. So is Joe Mixon, but Joe Mixon knows that he's not worth as much as those other guys, whereas Dalvin Cook is trying to get top end money. And we know how that usually works out. It usually works out with the Melvin Gordons, the Le'Veon Bells, missing some games. Now, long term, that's not a major issue. I just personally like the upside in town of Joe Mixon more. When you're talking about Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, after those guys complete running backs in this league, I think Joe Mixon is the next best talent. Him. Yeah, Dalvin Cook's up there for sure. He's probably next in line, Zeke, all those guys. But I think Mixon is right behind Saquon Barkley, maybe only Saquon as a talented, complete running back. And we just haven't gotten to see it on an insane level yet because of the fact that their offensive line has sucked and their offenses suck completely. And even then he's still been good. So I get to trade back three spots and I still get the guy that I want. This is the best piece of all of it. I get to move up six spots in the draft and still get the guy that I want. So you can see Lamar Jackson goes there, the second quarterback off the board. Then the three talented running backs in Cook, Kamara, and Joe Mixon go. And now we're starting to get to the end of the first round and you see it close out with a ton of quarterbacks right here. These last three out of five picks go the quarterbacks. So Kyler Murray, he's going to often go in the first rounds of a lot of super flex dynasty leagues because of just the upside that he possesses. Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, like these are guys that are here, right? These are guys that you know are probably going to have another 10 plus years in the league. In Kyler Murray's case, potentially he's going to have like another 17 years in the league. So as long as this dynasty draft goes, you're pretty much set. You don't have to worry about getting any of the rookie quarterbacks for a while. Some guys that go a little bit later on, Hopkins and De- Devontae Adams. I think Hopkins is, is a little bit of a reach at the first round, but it's fine. Devontae Adams, I think is a little bit of a reach. I love the guy. You're probably going to get like another three years at a peak Devontae. He's 27 years old. Wide receivers usually start to fall apart around 31 or 32. So maybe three to five years of peak Devontae. But again, I want running backs in the first round. And six, and since Sam, you can see right here, this last pick ended up going Adams. He got to go right back around with Miles Sanders. So he gets his running back. Just going through a couple more names. Juju is a really nice and interesting name. And Ben right here starts off with two wide receivers. I don't love that because of the fact that running back is not that deep in general. He does double tap running back, as you can see down here with Cam Akers, who's a good rookie pick, and Devin Singletary, who's coming into his second year after a breakout. I think long-term he'll have a good career in this league but Juju's an awesome pick because Juju's 23 years old. A lot of the wide receivers coming out of college right now are 23 years old and Juju's entering his third season in the league. He broke out with 1400 yards in his first year. So although a lot of these wide receivers coming out of the league right now, or even second round guys have some question marks around them for my, in my opinion, Juju doesn't, you're going to get probably another peak six to eight years out of Juju Smith-Schuster with upside of getting 10 to 12 more years out of him because of how young he is and how young he broke out in the NFL in his rookie campaign. So I like the pick of Juju there. You can see Nolan double taps right here. The quarterback position with Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray. I don't hate the idea. I mean, it's super flex. I think a lot of people overvalue quarterbacks and super flex, to be honest with you. Like, yes, I think they're going to go in the first round. I personally will never be taking a quarterback in the first round of a super flex plus dynasty format, or even super flex in general, because there's so many guys left because of the positional scarcity, because of the guys in the first round of the draft at the running back position and the upside that you have from those guys for the next 10 years is going to be absolutely massive. And once you start getting to the fifth round, you're going to be hoping for guys to get you like six fantasy points in a week, some handcuff type guys. Whereas in the 
sixth round of these drafts at the quarterback position, I can still have guys get me another eight to 10 years of their career on my team, putting up 20 plus fantasy point performances. And then a huge run on running backs goes here. You can see my pick right here. I already have Joe Mixon. My favorite pick in this entire draft potentially was going to be to get Josh Jacobs. I'm happy that I did because I don't think he would have been on the board based on the fact that three running backs go after me. In my opinion, there might not be two or three better picks in the entire draft of the running back position than Josh Jacobs for dynasty super flex format and really just dynasty format. I think he's a top five dynasty running back because he already broke out as a rookie. He looked fantastic and there's only upsides to his game that can be unlocked through the passing game. And he's likely a guy and he just profiles out as a guy who's going to be one of these top five running backs sooner rather than later. So I love Josh Jacobs. I love the fact that I get my two stud running backs. I get Josh Jacobs and I get Joe Mixon to start this thing off. Out of all the running backs, that's the guy that I wanted. I wanted Josh Jacobs. Now, if there's a way I could have started out and gotten Zeke and then still got Josh Jacobs, that's even better. But for this part, I really like the way that I started this back-to-back running backs. I think that's the way that you should go. You can see that Jordan goes back-to-back running backs, gets the rookie Clyde Edwards-Solaire. Alex goes back-to-back running backs, gets Cook and Derrick Henry. I'm really not personally big on Derrick Henry. Like, I don't think he's long-term great for Dynasty. I think that you might have one to two more big years out of Derrick Henry, whereas guys like Josh Jacobs, I think you can get six to seven more years. Guys like Nick Chubb, who went right after him, especially with the revamped offense, offensive line, Kevin Savansky run first, two tight end offense. Nick Chubb can be an elite running back for the next five or six years. I mean, he was a top five graded PFF running back last year alone. Going through a couple more guys, you see Luffy goes back to back receiver. Not terrible, but at that point, you then have to double smash running back. And he does with J.K. Dobbins in the third round, which I think is fantastic. I wanted J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins was about three picks away from my next pick in the third round. And I didn't get him. I wanted to go triple tap running back. And then he goes Aaron Jones in the fourth round, who, look, Aaron Jones is one of the most elusive running backs in the league. I love Aaron Jones. His contract's up after this year. They signed A.J. Dillon. There's a good chance that he walks after this year. So Aaron Jones on a contract year for this year is a nice sight to see if he's on your fantasy team for him balling out specifically. Yes, he's due for regression, but in dynasty formats, wherever he lands after this, he is an elite running back. I talk about guys like Joe Mixon, uh, Saquon Barkley earlier, Christian McCaffrey as some of the most talented running backs in the league. There's no question in my mind that when you throw in Aaron Jones into that department, he fits the bill as a top five running back in this league right now. He just does when it comes to elusiveness, his pass catching ability. I would rather have long-term Aaron Jones than Dalvin Cook. That's just my opinion. And yes, oh my God, Dalvin Cook's elite. He just did so many good things for fantasy last year. Yeah, so did Aaron Jones. And he got to only do that on 50% of the snaps. I would rather have Aaron Jones in my offense than Alvin Kamara. I'd rather have Aaron Jones than Derrick Henry, right? Nick Chubb's up there is very close. I think like a top five most talented running backs right now in the league would be somewhere around Saquon, McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, and, and Ezekiel Elliott, those six. Dalvin Cook right there as well, but I'd rather have just those types of guys long-term on my teams. Injury concerns is obviously going to factor into that. So you can see the second round starts to end off. Josh Allen goes, so the seventh quarterback off the board. Uh, AJ Brown goes pretty early in the second round, to be honest with you. And then Travis Kelsey goes the first tight end taken. So Emac does a nice thing here. He stacks Travis Kelsey with Mahomes. Kelsey, he ends up taking a little bit early for me. Like I just don't take tight ends early, but I know that that's where you have to take them in general. Emac then double taps running backs with his next two picks. He goes Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. I actually think Melvin Gordon's a nice pick. He's still young. You're still going to get three to five years out of Melvin Gordon. So as a fourth round running back, that's not bad. Austin Eckler, I do have concerns about. This will be the make or break year for him. He had like just a, a career high year last year because he was so massively efficient, but there's a really good chance that was the best year of his career from an efficiency standpoint. It's just going to be really hard to duplicate that, especially with no Philip Rivers. So if Austin Eckler takes on this very similar role than he did last year, but becomes less efficient and doesn't become a workhorse. Well, now your number one running back option in a dynasty format is just a satellite back at that point. And yes, an above average satellite back, but who knows how great he actually is after there's still no Philip Rivers out there. So round three goes and I ended up being very sad here. I wanted to trade up. 
I was this, this close to ending up to trading up to try and jump a couple people so that I can go and get Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins rookies were my best available. And I wanted to go three running backs in a row. I wanted to go there. It's positional scarcity. You're not going to find running backs later in the draft. You have to load up three in a row, in my opinion, to start your drafts if you can, if there's good enough players left on the board and not an outstanding wide receiver option in town and prospect left on the board. So I was about to start picking up the phones to take Jonathan Taylor right around when uh, this Amari Cooper pick was made. And then Adam just takes Jonathan Taylor. And I said, screw it. That stinks. And then I was like, okay, J.K. Dobbins should drop to me at my pick. And then he goes right to Lofty. So I was I was sad to see both of those go because those were the two best running backs that just had upside, in my opinion, left. DeAndre Swift's still on the board at this point, but I didn't have a ton of interest there. Julio and, and George Kittle go, Allen Robinson go, and then it gets to my turn. And I just have to take Kenny Galladay here. I just have to. Kenny Galladay lasts this long for a guy who is going to have another eight to 10 years in the league, another six to eight years in his prime as he's entering his prime. And I don't have a wide receiver left. Kenny Galladay for me was a top five wide receiver option in dynasty formats. You want to know how many wide receivers went before him? 10 other wide receivers went before Kenny Galladay. He is a top five option for me. He's sitting there in the third round for me and he's still on the board. I just have to smash the button on him. So then you see, I take Kenny Galladay over Cam Akers. That was the hardest decision for me personally. Do I want Cam Akers or DeAndre Swift, one of these rookies who can break out as potentially a top 10 running back for the next four to five to six years and I'm set there? Or do I just go and get my staple piece of my wide receiver core? And I did with Kenny Galladay. You can see the third round ends and it's pretty interesting that Greg is tripping tapped receiver here. He goes Dak, he gets Tyreek, Beckham, and Sutton. You're going to see that very quickly he's going to struggle at running back. Uh, but let's see how it ends. This round ends with uh, Carson Wentz and Baker back-to-back what, uh, quarterbacks there for Sam. So people are loading up on quarterbacks. You can tell that there's already getting close to 10 quarterbacks off the board and I still have none of them and I'm not worrying just yet. So the fourth round starts to go on. I get back to my pick. DK Metcalf here. I love DK Metcalf. I think that Tyler Lockett, he's old. Tyler Lockett's in his late 20s. He's probably gonna have one to two more years of actually a peak relevancy, I would say, in his career for fantasy purposes. Whereas DK Metcalf as a rookie broke right out onto the scene and the second half of the season, while Tyler Lockett uh, dealt with a little bit of an injury became the number one guy in this offense. So, so DK Metcalf was my fourth round pick. He was my best available by a wide margin. I ended up snagging him there. Some other names that stand out at this point, I think Steph Diggs is fine. Leonard Fournette's going to be a guy that not a lot of people want. And they might say, how are you going to take him in dynasty formats? Leonard Fournette is in a contract year about to get fed this year. So specifically for this year, he's about to eat. And then Leonard Fournette is still young with a 99th percentile speed score. He's an absolute beast of a running back. He's just been in very bad situations behind very bad offensive lines. If Leonard Fournette gets any type of a decent contract moving to his next team, he'll be a good option for you. Not to mention it's the fourth round and he's the 20th running back off the board. So all those upside running backs that you can say, I'm going to get five or six years out of these guys, they're pretty much all gone. The guys that you're left on the board with at running back right now are very dart throwy type players, or you're just trying to get the next three to four years out of their veteran peakness, if you will. And I think Leonard Fournette is going to have that this year specifically, and potentially wherever he goes after this, since they didn't exercise his fifth year option. So some more young quarterbacks that have a lot of upside go off the board. Joe Burrow goes to the 10th overall pick. I thought this was pretty early in my opinion. Obviously you like Joe Burrow. He's 20 three years old though. He's not like a 21 year old quarterback coming out. So he's the same age as a ton of quarterbacks already in the league, i.e. Daniel Jones, i.e. Sam Darnold, who uh, I'll spoiler alert. I get him a lot later on and he's a year younger than Joe Burrow. And obviously Joe Burrow, all the hype and the mysterious nature of him is, could he just be a top 10 quarterback right away in this league? Could he be a top five quarterback in three to five years? And that's why you start to take him early, but it's a little bit early for my personal standard. So this round ends with another tight end taken. You can see right here, the fifth round starts with a couple of receivers. David Montgomery was the best available running back to my, in my opinion rookie year, he almost has 1,100 total yards, and it's considered one of the biggest bust seasons because he was so inefficient behind a pretty bad 
bad offensive line in a pretty terrible offense in general. So I do like that. Adam Thielen right here. Adam Thielen, I thought was a little bit early, but I guess it all depends on your mindset of do I want to win now or later. Based on his age, this is this leans more towards a win now, but it's kind of right in between. I thought there's a couple of other guys that have longer career arcs in general, but he's right around that borderline pick for me. Uh, Le'Veon Bell goes right here. So you can see Le'Veon Bell and Fournette were double tapped. I don't hate Le'Veon Bell. I think it's maybe a round too early, but this is probably more so appropriate. 24th overall running back, but this is what you get out of Le'Veon Bell. You get this year, you get next year, and then maybe you get one more year after that. So when you're drafting him with this fifth pick, you have to try and value that and say, I kind of got this window now that I got to start to draft. I took Fournette, I took Bell. I kind of got to start to draft now after this to try and win the next two years, or at least try and build and load up my team to win the next two or three years, because my two running backs at this point, he has Nick Chubb, which is a lot of upside, but you get Julio Jones, you get Fournette, and you get Bell. This team right here by Zach is lining up. Lamar Jackson's on the team, so is Nick Chubb. But this team right now through these first, these next three picks is lining up to be more of a win now. You're going to get at most probably two more years out of Julio Jones, probably around two years out of Bell, and maybe three to four years out of Leonard Fournette. So it's starting to line up as more of a win now rather than win uh, now and in the future, in my opinion. So some other wide receivers go off the board too. I Hilton, Debo Samuel. My pick comes around right here, and I'm this guy right here. I am CD Lamb, wide receiver 24. He's the number one wide receiver out of all the rookies, in my opinion. And the fact that I got him, Amari Cooper's option is going to be in two years. He can opt out of that massive contract. He only got 40 of the $100 million guaranteed. In my opinion, CD Lamb is going to rival a 50 catch, 800 to 900 yard season, maybe somewhere around six touchdowns right out of the gate. So I like him. I like the fact that I get the long-term upside in him. My team right now, I'm trying to build to win now, but also build for the future. My two running back picks are for the future. And now two younger guys, obviously Jacob's a second year player, Joe Mixon still in his first contract. So two guys there, Kenny Galladay, that's definitely win now. DK Metcalf is a fourth round pick in my opinion. That's win now, but also for the future entering into his second year. And then CD Lamb is my first pick that kind of builds more so towards the future than winning right now, but he's still a guy that's going to contribute for me right now. Tua goes as the QB 12. I really wanted Tua. It's fine that he goes here. I was hoping that he would last another round or two. You can see Matt Ryan goes. He's like the staple of every single format, no matter where you are. And then you can see the second rookie goes to end this draft in Jerry Judy. James Conner's an interesting name because he could either regain his throne this year in the Steelers backfield if he's healthy and the offense looks good, but he's really going to be dependent on one, if their offensive line continues to stay good. Two, if he stays healthy, which uh, it's been known and it's been documented that his overall lifespan in the NFL is going to be one to two years shorter than a normal running back because of the shoulder injuries that he's had. And I just don't want to take that risk. So he goes, you can see carry on Johnson here. And this is what I was saying earlier. The fact that three out of Greg's first four picks were wide receivers really made him struggle at running back. I think Chris Carson's fine for the next few years, but then you get carry on Johnson and it's like, eh, this guy might be a 50% at best guy with two major knee injuries his first two years in the league. And they draft DeAndre Swift, not looking too good. But David Johnson goes, that's just more of a, you got two to three years, do something now type of pick. Some guys start to go, I say, you know what? It's the sixth round, I believe right now. I need to go out here and I need to get myself a quarterback. I get Sam Darnold. So I take Sam Darnold over Aaron Rodgers. That was the main guy I was debating to choose between Sam Darnold and Aaron Rodgers personally. Aaron Rodgers probably has another four years of peakness, maybe five total years in this league. And then I said, you know what? Let's type in Sam Darnold's age. And I made a tweet about this. Sam Darnold is a year younger than Joe Burrow. Sam Darnold is very similar to the Juju Smith-Schusters of he came out way, way young, and now he's still the same age as guys coming out, but he has two years under his belt. So if Sam Darnold just doesn't fall off the face of the earth, and look, when he's been healthy, he's been fine. Of course, he has the interception errors that everybody's talking about, but look at his offense last year. Only had Chris Herndon, a standout tight end, in my opinion, coming in for this year and broke out the year before in 2018 for like 15 snaps. His number one receiver was a slot wide receiver, an undersized slot wide receiver who had to be targeted 30% in the red zone for this offense. He had an old and aging and just jump ball receiver in Demarius Thomas, and then a deep threat who offered nothing in the intermediate to short range 
range in Robbie Anderson, not to mention a terrible offensive line and Le'Veon Bell not being used properly in the backfield in the receiving game. So when you have a donkey head coach, a bad offensive line and not good weapons around you last year, and you have mono that even though you only missed a couple of weeks in the season, that mono probably lingered for the next month in terms of how tired you were, your fatigueness and getting back up to 100%. Everybody's going to be judging Sam Darnold on last year. Sam Darnold for me is like a borderline top 12 dynasty super flex type option because of the fact that he's 23 years old. If Sam Darnold is just what we think he is when based on his draft capital, he's going to be the guy that plays for the next 15 to 16 years. And I just got that guy in the sixth round. That's why I don't take quarterbacks in the first three or four rounds. And I load up on running backs because in my opinion, a guy like Sam Darnold has very similar upside to a guy in Dak Prescott who was taken in the first round. Yes, right now, Dak Prescott's team is going to look a lot sexier because of the team and the offensive line that he has around him. But just in general, if we're talking about five rounds later to get a very similar profile for a guy who might play for 15 years, who has all the same talent, if not better talent coming out of college and Sam Darnold. Yeah, it's a no brainer for me at that point. So I go Sam Darnold, the next round ends and guys go off the board that I wanted in Aaron Rodgers. Guys go off the board that I was kind of interested in in Ronald Jones, but not this early, especially since I already had a couple running backs. Kareem Hunt looked interesting to me as well. And then quarterbacks start to go. Jared Goff and Matt Stafford. So in the seventh round, I wanted to double tap quarterbacks and I don't have to pick a quarterback for a couple of rounds. So I got Sam Darnold in the sixth. I wanted to come around to the seventh round and get another quarterback. I had a couple of names circled on my board. Jared Goff. Well, in this order, I had Matt Stafford, Jared Goff, and then Jimmy G circled on my board. And then it was a pretty big drop off to the next couple of guys. So how does the seventh round start where I'm about 10 picks away? Jared Goff and Matt Stafford go. So I'm sitting there like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. So I start calling up the phones. I start getting into the chats and I'm saying, individual, you want to trade? I need a quarterback. Not a lot of people are trying to trade. Guys that I was looking at their teams, they already had two quarterbacks. So I assume they weren't going to take another one. So then Tyler Boyd goes, he was on my board. This seventh round starts by just guys on my board going off the board, right? Uh, Goff, Matt Stafford, Tyler Boyd. These were all guys that were his top 10 options left on my board. Most Starkos, I would have given consideration to him. Rager, I didn't really have much interest in personally. So I kind of didn't go there. Ryan Tannehill goes, I wasn't personally interested in. Lockett, I wasn't personally interested in. Have DK. And then this is where I'm at right now. The way that the board plays out, it's making me pick right here right here behind my head. You can see where I'm highlighting it, but I actually ended up picking a couple of picks before this because I made that trade earlier in the draft. So I was picking right around here. I saw that this team right here who selects Jalen Rager, Lofi, Lofi underscore D on Twitter, you can follow him, only had one quarterback and Jimmy G was still on the clock. And my two other options for this round and guys that I liked already went off the board. So I called up Jeff, the guy that I do the awesome shows with for the PGA, if you're familiar. And I pretty much just said, you have two quarterbacks. I need a quarterback. I'm going to be taking a quarterback here. I won't take whatever pick you want. He told me some wide receivers that he was interested in. And I said, the guy right after you, who's picking right before me. So this was my pick right here. Originally, this was Jeff's pick right here. And then this guy right here only had one quarterback. So I said, you know what? I need to jump in. So I ended up trading up two spots and then I traded down six spots in the next round. So yes, I gave up a lot more in the next round, but I needed a quarterback there. So I slide up a couple of spots. I end up taking Jimmy G. So now my team is currently looking with my quarterbacks, Jimmy G and Sam Donald quarterbacks that potentially have the upside to play 15 more years if you're Sam Donald, 10 more years if you're Jimmy G, talented players in my opinion. I now have three wide receivers that I think are very strong pieces to build my lineup in CeeDee Lamb, DK Metcalf, and Kenny Galladay, and two elite running backs in Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs. So I'm feeling good right now. So the turn comes back around to me. Guys at running back position that I'm looking at are Darius Geis, he goes off the board. Damn. Michael Gallup, I'm looking at, he goes off the board. Hollywood Brown, and these are guys that are on my board right now. Justin Herbert, do I triple tap quarterback right now? No, he goes off the board. I say, you know what? I need a running back. I only have two, but there's not a lot of good running back options. I don't really need a wide receiver. I want to load up on wide receivers. This is a 22 round draft, by the way, but I already got three of them. Maybe it's time to start looking at tight end. So a lot of tight ends have gone off the board. I look at tight end because Noah Font goes here, Tyler Higby goes here, and I'm looking at tight end and I'm saying, 
How the hell is TJ Hawkinson on the board? Excuse my French. Noah Font goes before TJ Hawkinson. Okay, maybe you think they're very similar. Tyler Higby goes before TJ Hawkinson. That's just the case of people being hyped up for the next year or two. Before the last eight games of last year, Tyler Higby has done nothing in his career, and he's an older guy. TJ Hawkinson has the profile to be Rob Gronkowski, likely will be a top five tight end at some point in his career if he can just stay healthy. That's how good this guy was coming out of college, and he flashed that greatness last year, although he dealt with some injuries. So I'm looking at the board right now, and I'm saying TJ Hawkinson at this point. Like, he, he, he's a value already for me. I had him like 10 slots higher than when he's already going. I don't usually like taking tight ends, but I'm sitting here in like the eighth round and I say, I'm just going to take TJ Hawkinson here because it makes no sense to me that he's still on the board with 10 tight ends already going off the board ahead of him. You know who I would not have taken above him at the tight end position? No shot I'm taking Austin Hooper before him. No shot I'm taking Tyler Higby. You want to make an argument that Noah Font deserves to go before TJ Hawkinson? I could at least see that argument. There is a 0% chance I'm taking Hunter Henry before I take TJ Hawkinson. And maybe that's just me personally, but Hunter Henry, he has looked good, but a lot of that has been because of Philip Rivers. He's already played in the league for a couple of years and he's dealt with a ton of injuries. Zach Ertz, you can take before him. That's fine. Like obviously Kelsey and George Kittle, if you want to take before him, Kittle above all, in my opinion, that's fine to go. But then after that, like Evan Ingram might even debate taking TJ Hawkinson over him. I'm not going to take TJ Hawkinson this early, but just in terms of who would you rather have right now, if you can pick a tight end, TJ Hawkinson, there's only like four or five tight end names. Darren Waller, I'm not even taking before him. Darren Waller is an older guy. Yes. He, he went out of the league. He ended up starting with the Baltimore Ravens. People think that this guy was a rookie last year. No, he's been in the league and in and out of the league because of personal issues for a lot of reasons. So you have to factor in the age of these guys. He popped up last year, but if he's only giving you two or three years at the tight end position, whereas sustained greatness for guys like Noah Fan and TJ Hawkinson can be for six or seven years as they hit their prime as early as potentially this year. I like that a lot. So that's where I'm at right now. Guys that I really like after that start to go off the board and Christian Kirk, Keyshawn Vaughn looked good. Uh, Mike Gusecki, I didn't really want after I took my guy. So we're sitting here right now as the end of the eighth round. What I need as I'm doing this, and I'll kind of do another recap if you guys like this type of a video. What I need moving forward is more running backs because I only got two. That's probably going to be my next pick. Probably need one to two more quarterbacks since I only have two total. I'll get another tight end or two at some point, and then I want to load up at wide receiver. I need more running backs, though. That's likely going to be my next pick right here in the ninth round with the 12th overall pick because I don't have much running back help. I have two elite guys, but I need some other guys after that. Loading up on some rookie running backs is always going to be a priority of mine. Seeing what's still on the board, like Sony Michelle is still on the board right now. Maybe I go there. That's where I'm at right now. That's just taking you through the mindset round by round of how you should be approaching both Dynasty and Superflex and even the combination of them, which is this league right here. But even if you're not playing in the combination, you're playing in them separately, this video will help you. The way that I always attack it is running backs early. I want to be taking back-to-back running backs in, in Superflex Dynasty every single league pretty much because positional scarcity matters so much. So I want the running backs so much right now. You can see I started off right here with Joe Mixon. I go to Josh Jacobs. Those guys are fantastic. Ideally, I would like to take three running backs in my first four picks or three running backs in a row. But the guys that I wanted in the third round in JK Dobbins and definitely Jonathan Taylor, they get taken around three to four to five picks before me. So I end up going to Kenny Galladay because he just lasts on the board. And then I load up triple tap in a row wide receiver with just talented guys who lasted too long. DK Metcalf, CD Lamb. And then I'm in a position where Sam Donald and Jimmy G are on the board. I think they're better, a lot better. Top 15 quarterbacks for me in this super flex dynasty format than a lot of other guys who one went off the board already. And we're about to, I did not think Jimmy G would make it all the way back around to me. I highly doubted it. So I double tap quarterback in these rounds. And then I get, in my opinion, a guy who's likely a top five option at the tight end position when it comes to super flex or dynasty. And he's lasting all the way to tight end 11. I just had to take it. There's no way he would have still been on the board in my opinion. So that's where I'm at. Hopefully this type of video helps you out. Be sure, be sure down below. You can see it on the screen right now. The 2020 Supreme draft guide is out. Be sure to check it out down below in the description, all the information on that. Thank you so much for tuning into this one. Big old like button, hit that bad boy and the big old subscribe button just popped up on the screen. Be sure to hit the subscribe button, bottom right hand corner. If you enjoy this video and you enjoy my content, check out the 2020 fantasy football playlist with a ton of videos upwards of around 60 to 70 already. There's going to be another 60 or 70 before the season starts. Get in there. You don't have to watch all of them, but watch a ton of
one of them for me right now. Check those out to get even better than the other league mates in your league. My name's Salvetri. Thank you all for tuning into this one, and I'll see you in the next one.